This is Limit Up, the show where we explore markets, strategies, and trading psychology so that you can take your trading to the next level. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Limit Up podcast presented by Top Step Trader. I'm Jack Pelzer, joined by Dan Hodgman. Dan, you here? How you doing? Jack, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just fine. I'm in the office today which I don't have access to the microphone. So my audio might be a little bit sub the incredible standards I hold for myself in this podcast, but I apologize in advance. <laughs> no, it makes me laugh. It's where you transitioned to all working from home and it took a while to get used to it. And then all of a sudden you go back into the office and it's back to like step one of like, oh crap, how do I do this again? I know. I've completely forgotten how to be a member of this economy, but uh, you know we're swinging back into it slowly. I'm, I'm here because we're actually doing a Q and A with uh, Michael Patak today on YouTube. It will be uh, this will happen before this podcast comes out. But if you want to check it out on YouTube, go to the Top Step page and it will be there. But in the meantime, we got a great interview today. Uh, we and by we I mean Dan because of some other technical difficulties we had. Uh, has an interview with Akil Stokes, who's the co-founder of Tier One Trading. Dan, how was it? I got to see Akil for maybe two minutes, and he seemed like a great guy. Yeah, it was a really fun conversation. Um, interesting start into this. Um, family kind of grew into this, uh, started with the mentors, realized that he had an education background that he could really educate people and work with them. I had just a great time sitting down talking to him, which was really fun because I was able to ask him questions about Forex. I've never been a professional Forex trader. I dabble in it. I keep an eye on it. Um, but I was able to ask him a lot of questions. He had some awesome insight. I'm really excited for everyone to give it a listen. Yeah, and here's a shot in the dark. If anyone out there is into Forex and kind of knows their stuff that would be interested in doing some educational content with Top Step, uh, drop us an email you know, to, to our support and they'll send it over to us. We're kind of looking to expand that because obviously we have a Forex program here, but all of our performance coaches, we all have backgrounds in futures trading, which obviously there's currency futures, but there's a little different flavor to the FX markets that, you know, I don't want to feel like a fraud discussing. Uh, well, like I've done my best. I've I've been watching it for a long time. I mean, there are so many factors. We're fortunate when we look at the futures market. It's U.S.-based. So U.S. economic numbers are the main factors that influence most of these markets where if you're trading anything that's related to the Australian dollar, their uh, commodity output, you know, what's going on there has a huge effect on the Australian dollar. Um, it's that pair. And so there's so many intricacies when it comes to the Forex market, which is really interesting and why I think Getting to chat with Forex traders just in general, it, it increases my knowledge base because there are so many factors to pay attention to when it comes to trade in Forex. Yeah. For instance, do you know why they call the, uh, I believe it's the pound and dollar cable? Is that what they call it? Yeah, it's called the cable. That one I don't know. Yeah. If, you know, that's the kind of thing that, you know, I could probably type it into Google, but what's the fun in that? <laughs> I would kind of love if somebody would just reach out to us and tell us why they call it the pound versus dollar the cable. Yeah, I'd shoot us an email. <laughs> shoot us an email. And uh, yeah, as far as the economic factors, we got a big week. This podcast will come out Thursday, which means in a few hours we'll have the uh, unemployment numbers for the month of September. What are you looking for in that, Dan? 
Dan is rolling his eyes. I have to eat a podcast format. Uh, <laughs> yes, air quotes, rolling eyes. Um, I think it'll be better than last month. Um, you know, ultimately, I look at it. We're starting to see things slightly get back to normal. Chicago just came out this week and said, um, well, they said us Wisconsinites aren't allowed in Chicago, but the bars can be open until one thirty in the morning. Um, so they are opening up. They are uh, going to start, you know, seeing some more flow in the economy. The bigger question is, how are people going to react to it? Um, right now, I think we're going to see better jobs numbers come Friday. Um, but I'm definitely going to sit back and uh, I'm not going to be touching it. I'm actually going to be off on Friday. It's uh, it's my, good my birthday, taking my birthday day off. That's a good tradition to get the start of. Yeah, I would say about the same thing. I would just watch out. Suddenly, uh, after not really talking about stimulus so long, uh, Mnuchin got on the phone today and discussed that they're getting back to do more stimulus. And I think that might be somewhat related to the beginning of the major layoffs of people that were furloughed. Disney laid off 28,000 people. And then in October is when the airline industry, that's kind of the reckoning. So that's something to keep an eye on. But if things hold up through that, I think uh, you're right, Dan. You can make even me a little bit optimistic. I would agree. I think uh, I know stimulus talks are back. That's kind of the reason we're seeing uh, stock markets are up, you know, almost 2%, just under 2% right now after being down in the overnight session after, let's just use the term interesting debate last night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that was a shit show. Um, <laughs> I don't know who it was, um, but it was, I was watching a fire in a dumpster Burned. It was something just so ridiculous. Oh, I think it was Jake Tapper said something yes. like, "This was a uh, garbage fire, a dumpster fire inside a train wreck." Inside, yes. it, it was all yes. burned. Yeah. yeah, I, I, I have nothing to say. <laughs> um, I turned it off pretty quickly. Um, but uh, so we had stocks were down after that. Uh, they've rebounded really nicely here since the open. Now we're up close to one and a half to two percent across the. Uh, all four of the equity markets. And I think that has to do really with optimism on the stimulus bill. I do think Disney coming out and saying 28,000 layoffs. You've got airlines in October. They have already said, you know, major layoffs. We could see a couple hundred thousand people easily getting laid off. And this is not furloughed. This is straight up layoffs now. Well, wait till they get to the you know, state workers. Right. It, it's yeah, just going to. So. It's going to trickle, it's going to snowball, and that snowball is going to grow fast. So I do think, putting politics aside, Congress has to do something, has to come together and do some sort of um, bipartisan deal here to get something through to save our jobs numbers and and keep this economy moving. Nice. Well, let's go to a much nicer uh, one-on-one conversation than the debate last night right now. And we'll kick you over to this interview with Akil Stokes and Dan, and we'll see you after the break. All right, everybody. Uh, this is the Limit Up Podcast. I'm Dan Hodgman, sitting today with co-founder of Tier 1 Trading, Akil Stokes. Akil, thanks for joining us here today. How's everything going for you? Can't complain. Beautiful day. I'm waking up and doing what I love every day and, and sitting here talking to you guys, which is always fun. So I'm happy. Couldn't, can't complain one bit. That sounds perfect. So, Kiel, you're I'm really excited. We don't get a lot of Forex traders on here. We were just talking about this a minute ago. I'm really excited to kind of hear your thoughts around the Forex market. Before we kind of dive into that, can you just tell us a little bit about what got you into trading, that background, and uh, and then we'll go from there. 
Sure. And I'll try to keep it as short as possible because I can, I can ramble on. Uh, but <laughs> can't we all? <laughs> I initially got interested in the markets really straight out of college. I graduated college 2007, which is kind of right before the recession was happening. And I decided to go to grad school, um, mainly because I had no idea what I want to do out of college. I had this degree, this expensive degree that I paid for, and I had no idea how to use it. And, Family members were asking after graduation, hey, what are you doing? And I said, uh, I don't know. So I figured <laughs> grad school would buy me some time to kind of figure out life. And while in grad school, you know, I had some money saved up. I, you know, I've been a hard worker ever since I was little. I worked all the way through college. I'm a very frugal person, so I don't really spend it on much. So I had some money saved up. I had more money from college graduation, which my dad pumped out as kind of being like the last big payday in your life as <laughs> Here, far as like birthdays. Take it and go. <laughs> so we we took the pictures, we mailed it out to all relatives, we tried to take full advantage of it. Um and I called him up. I said, Well, what, what should I do with this money? My dad's always kind of been my financial mentor. And and looking back in hindsight, um, I was so blessed to have someone like that because financial responsibility, personal finance is something that isn't taught in school. It's something that a lot of parents don't teach their kids. And he's always done a good job with me from a young kid of just teaching me like, hey, here's a piggy bank, put money in there. Here's a bank account. You get interest back when you're getting interest and stuff. And we just strategically worked it up from savings accounts um, to money markets, certificates of deposits. And the next step he said was, you know, um, maybe it's time to get some exposure to investing in the financial market. So um, I started dipping my toe in the stocks. At the same time, I met what would turn out to be another mentor of mine. He was my wife's kind of grandfather figure. My wife doesn't know her dad. So he was kind of the, the father figure when she was growing up. And I was dating her at the time. And he kind of wanted to vet me because we've we've been together for a little bit. He's like, <laughs> let's bring this guy in and grill him. And in that conversation, I found out he was this real estate and investing guru. Um, I think he liked my business mind. At least I, I can understand certain things. And I had certain aspirations. And we kind of really, you know, clicked really good over that. And I remember for that summer, I was just a fly on the wall. I would go into his office. I would just sit there in the corner. I'd listen to his meetings, watch what he's doing. And I started learning more about the markets that way. And eventually I started getting some exposure to it. And um, eventually it was something that I fell in love with. Um, and so I, I did stocks for a little bit. And then, of course, I, I had pretty good success with stocks. Um, but, you know, and, and, and it was something that I, I, I kept telling myself I wanted to do it. Um, full time, but I didn't have enough capital too. Um, so my best friend told me about this thing called Forex. He's like, you can trade money. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense when you talk <laughs> about trading money. And I remember my first thought dollar was like, dollar. exactly. I'm like, no, no, you're trading foreign money. Like, you know, the foreign exchange. So I'm like, wait, so we have to go to airports with bags of money <laughs> to go to the foreign exchange and wait there. Um, this, and I, I had no, I'd never heard of it in my life. So I'm like, okay, we're going to be in airport with duffel bags. That can't go in. That can't go wrong. Um, <laughs> but I researched it. And of course, everything the internet told me was the normal kind of, you know, Forex money, make more money in less time with less startup. And I'm like, yes, yes. Sounds great. Exactly. And I, I got into it and it was nothing like it was advertised. And I learned the hard way, um, but I, I, I did love the game of trading. I love the game of investing. And that's what kind of pushed me to say, okay, I'm, I'm, let's restart. Let's focus on things the right way. I, I do love this and let's give it a shot. That's awesome. I, it's, I love hearing the, the family background there, the dynamics. I mean, I think that's a huge factor into this. This is something that I think a lot of traders, you got to kind of start from the beginning. You got to kind of grow into this and having that mentorship, you know, your dad helping you out, the family there. 
I kind of come from the exact same way. I was a fly on the wall as a kid. I used to sit there at family parties and I'd listen to my dad and his brothers were all traders. And I used to sit there and I'd listen to the back and forth with them. And then I'd come home, you know, I'm eight years old and I go, dad, what's a spread? You know, what's a, what's a call? What's a put? And he, what are you asking me these questions for? I go, well, I sit there and I listen. I don't want to go sit with mom, you know, and talk about the women things. I want to sit with the men. And so I kind of, it was the same exact, uh, the ba- same background there. So as you got going into Forex, were you all over the place in some of the currencies you're trading or did you start to focus right away? I, I was all over the place everywhere. Um, I, I was, I mean, I, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I eventually got coaching and, and help, but I was just, you know, I was nowhere. And, and, and of course, the, the, the smart person that I am, right, I decided to quit like three jobs to focus full time because, you know, my excuse was like, well, I'm just not giving it enough focus. <laughs> if I quit three jobs, I'll have all day. So I had all day to be everywhere. Um, so I bounced around between a lot of things. Um, you know, everything I would read, everything I would see on YouTube. Um, I pretty much tried it all. I'd give it a little bit of time and I just went through the normal process of like doing something, demo trading it. It always goes good on a demo account and be like, Oh man, I could just trade this live, put some live money in and then blow it and then reset the process. So it was, it was a, a good amount. Uh, the learning curve was, was a long one. Um, and, and it was, it was tough eventually to the point where I ended up accepting the fact I'm a very stubborn kind of driven, like, you know, I'll just grind it out until it works type of person. It got to the point where I had to accept the fact that I do need some guidance. I do need some coaching. I need someone to point me in the right direction. Let me know or or tell me what should I be doing? Let me know if I'm doing it the right way, if I ever want to be successful. Um, So that was a, it was a tough lesson learned, but I, I think it was necessary because by the time it got to that point, um, you know, I was humbled enough where I, I knew I needed it and I wasn't going to fight it. I think that's one of the biggest changing points in traders is once they kind of get that, that that point of humility where finally they're willing to say, okay, I need some help. What were some of those things that you were struggling with that you needed that help with? Really just some um, consistency. I, I remember I had a, you know, I, I read an article in, in FX Trader Magazine. It was just, you know, in my random search of reading everything on the internet and it was about this guy who got like third place in this trading competition. He made like this much money. And, and what stood out at the end of the article, he always said, hey, if I weren't trading for a competition, I wouldn't be this aggressive. And that was really, the fr- that was kind of a, a moment of honesty. I'm like, well, that's kind of cool that he said that because everyone else would be like, oh yeah, I just did this much. And he had a link to his website and I went to it and I clicked it and he had something called a trader assessment. And I remember he you know, I filled it out just like, okay, I'll fill it out on the internet. I got nothing better to do. And he says, he'll call me, but he won't actually call me. And I remember that night I got a call from a random number and I'm at a point right now, like I'm not, I don't answer random numbers. I don't know if it's a bill collector. I don't know who it is. <laughs> and so I'm looking at it and then something within me is just like, just pick up the phone, Akil. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, just pick up the phone. I picked up the phone. Hello. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> Hey, this is Jason Stapleton from blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh my, I'm looking at my wife or my, you know, my girlfriend at the time. I'm like, this is the guy. This is the guy from, from the thing I told you about. <laughs> and she, she has no idea what I'm talking about. And I, I try to come on all smooth. Hey, you know, how, how you doing? And stuff like that. And we talk a little bit and I explain to him a little bit about my struggles. And he takes me through this trader assessment, basically asking me, you know, how do I trade the markets? And, you know, I'm saying, well, you know, I, I do trend lines and I do support and resistance. And he's, you know, he's kind of milking me along. Okay. Okay. And we start getting more specific. You ask me a specific question. Okay, so when you see this, what do you do? Well, sometimes, what about this? Well, usually, well, most of the time, and we did that back and forth to the point where he kept asking questions. I never had a real response to it. 
I was all over the place. And then he finally hit me with the point where it's like, you don't have any consistency in what you're doing. You don't have any rules based for what you're doing. And it kind of hit me that, well, that's the problem. I'm, I'm doing a little bit of everything, but differently each time. And you know, that's what, I, once again, I had to accept it. Like, wow, like this, I, I need help. Um, I, I need help. That's, I mean, that's awesome. And I'm guessing, I know you work with a lot of traders as well. Have you brought in a lot of what you learned there to the traders that you work with? Oh yeah. O almost all of it. I mean, this, this guy ended up being my coach. Um, he ended up being my trading mentor, a uh, business mentor as well. I, I never planned on getting into coaching. Um, and, and sort of like we were talking about earlier, like once you, you feel the value of like helping people, it, it's, it's a, it's a different feeling than just, I don't want to say selfishly doing it for yourself, but it, it it's, it fills a different void in your life when you know you're helping others. So eventually I, I fell in love with it. So I brought a lot of what he taught me to my coaching. I would say the main difference that we have, he's ex-military and he's very strict. So he's like, look, these are the rules. This is how you do it. If you don't like it, like shut up and just do it. This is the, it's going to get you the <laughs> result. And, you know, and, and that worked for me. I'm a former athlete. So I'm used to coaching where it's like, Hey, Akil, do this play. And I'm like, well, I don't know if this play is going to work, but whatever. I'm doing it anyway. That's what the coach says. That coach says, do it. Just do it. Exactly. Just do it. I, I can, I can follow directions. Really good at that. Um, I would say the difference that I brought is as I got older as a coach and, and as a trader and started working with more people, I started understanding the importance of trading psychology and how if you don't truly believe in what you're doing, there's always going to be that question. There's always going to be that, that crack in the armor. And, and the more you question it, the bigger the crack's going to get until you eventually break. So I started really adapting the philosophy where it's like, hey, there are many different ways to trade, as all of us know. It's important to find something that we truly believe in that kind of fits our lifestyle because you're going to have less of those psychological battles. So that was a little bit different from him where he was just like, best way to trade, do it, shut up. It makes money. Uh, you know, that's, it. <laughs> that's, I think that's a great point to kind of transition this. I know you talked you said you wanted to talk about this reality versus perception. Um, so can we dive into that a little bit and how that goes with your traders? Yeah. I, I think the, the, the first perception out there is that, you know, trading is this get rich quick scheme We're we're all sold. And, and, and that's, you know, first impressions, that's what gets many of us in the door, but whether we're, you know, the Forex market, the stock market options, and there's so much other dumb stuff out there, binary crypto. <laughs> it's like, we're sold that, hey, here is something that you can just open an account and make lots of money really, really quick. And I think we would both agree that it's a skill. And like Without a, a skill, it needs to be worked on. If you, and if you look at any other skill out there, whether it's being a doctor where you got to go to school for like six years and then like four more years of training underneath someone, or even if it's like, it's a mechanic, if you're a car mechanic, right, you have to sit and watch someone do it and learn. There is a, a learning process. No one just picks up something overnight and is great at it, even, even in a sport. But I, but I don't think people realize that in trading, they, they want it right away. Um, so one of the first things that we try to crack is that like, Hey, it, it's trading. I do think trading is simple. It's not easy. It's going to take a massive investment in time in energy. Um, I usually tell traders, Hey, it's probably going to take you about a year and a year and a half to kind of get rolling. And, you know, I, I, I tell them that. And, and, you know, sometimes I get teased a little bit on the internet and the internet teases everyone about being a downer um, because people are coming at me like, hey, you know, I got this $200 account. How quickly can I make a million dollars? I'm like, you won't. Like, <laughs> I don't, like, don't want to be, I don't want to be mean, but I believe in like, just, you know, being honest with people. If you 
give someone the right expectation. If I tell you like, hey, you can be successful at this, you can achieve all the things that you want, but this is going to be the path and there are going to be obstacles in it. It's going to take a while. I think if people know that up front, then they can prepare for it. Then they can start, you know, having the right expectations and understanding that, hey, like I'm, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be late nights or early morning studying while I'm out of my normal nine to five. It's going to be maybe a year from now. I, I think they, they have a better chance of making a decision, whether it's something they want to pursue or whether it's something that, you know, just isn't for them. And, and if they pursue it, that's great. Um, if they don't, then that's great as well, because it saves them time and, and probably saves them a lot of money as well. That is the most important thing. And we're not even halfway through this conversation, but everyone listening, take note of what was just said. That re expectation, managing that expectation. When you go into this industry, Akil made a good point to bring up that med school. That's one of the ones I'd like to talk about as well. Yes, you're going to go to undergrad for four years. Then you got to go get your, you got to go to med school. Then you're going to do your residency. You've got 10, 12 years of schooling before you're actually going to be a true professional in that field where you can be relied on and let do your thing. Trading is the exact same way. You have to go through that process. There's no expediting. There's no fast track. Maybe you get lucky in the beginning at some point, but please, everyone listening, take note of that if you're new into this industry, because that was phenomenal. That was a great point. I can't, I think... Hollywood has kind of created this false representation of what this industry is. It's hard. It is really hard. I think they say, you know, less than 10% are actually successful at this. Those odds are harder than 99% of jobs in the world. I mean, this is really, really difficult. And like you said, if you can go into it with that mentality right away, you're going to have a better chance of being successful down the road, in my opinion. So I, I really cannot stress and appreciate enough what you just said there. Thank you. Thank you. Because <laughs> that's something I run into. I know a lot of traders, when they get into this, they get that excitement and I get the same backlash. Well, how do I, you know, I'm going to be your first $100 million trader. I'm like, well, no, you're not. Sorry. I'm like, sorry. It just doesn't work that way. You know, there's so much time and effort that goes into this that, the risks involved, the exhaustion, the the time put in outside of market hours and the time put outside of your trading. That's spectacular. So once you kind of get these guys going, where do you kind of go from there? So it, a lot of it depends on where they're at. Um, if they're, you know, we get a lot of different traders, traders that are brand new, traders that have had negative experiences, traders that are just kind of stuck. So we're, we're the first thing we're going to try and do is trying to figure out, hey, you know, what do we need to work on? And you know, I always like to start with the very, very basics and, and, you know, the basics that anyone needs to know, no matter what type of trader they want to be, which is just, you know, I'm a technical trader. So it's about reading a price chart, you know, from the very basics of a candlestick. And I have a little bit of a different view on things I like to create stories in my heads and battles. And, and that's the way that, you know, I can relate to candlesticks and create a better story. And we walk them through that. And we say that, hey, you know, these are small clues that, no, they're not going to make a difference now, right? You're not going to look at this and be like, hey, I can trade this, I can trade that. But later on, as you get deeper into your trading evolution, um, those small clues are going to come in handy because as we all know, like the market, most of what it gives you is, is complete junk, but it gives you these small little clues and, and the successful traders that you spoke about, we're the ones that are good at finding those little clues and exploiting them. So we try to start at the basics, 
we try to work all the way up. We talk about strategy later on after they have an understanding of the basics. And then we, we dig a lot into psychology, um, and also treating your trading like a business. And, 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 you know, I think psychology is the most important part. I don't think in general traders are bad at analyzing price charts. There are things in there that they need to work on. Obviously you can get better with entries and exits and, and all that fun stuff. But I think in general, you know, traders kind of shoot themselves in the foot with psychological errors, whether it's taking targets early, whether you want that money or whether it's moving stops back because you fear losing that money. All of those little mistakes, entering too early, not entering at all because the last trade was a loser and now you're scared. Um, those things add up over time. Um, <laughs> those things add up massively over time. So we, we try to hit on that a lot and very heavy on trading psychology. So I want to touch on something because I just did a webinar on this yesterday. I did a webinar on trade management. And one of the common questions I actually got asked in that goes with what you just said here, getting out of those trades early, bringing those stops up too soon. What are some of the things that you work with, you recommend with your traders to overcome those those struggles? Because that's really hard to do to overcome letting that winner keep going or taking that loss too soon. What are some of the things that you recommend with those traders? Well, the biggest thing we try to shift is the mindset from, you know, we, we say process over outcome. So you have to value the process of, of doing things the right way over the outcome. So going back to what we talked about, about, you know, being coachable and, and hey, I'm the player, I'm the athlete and the coach is giving me a direction, whether, you know, my goal is to execute the play. Um, now the play may not go well, it could go great, but my job is to execute the play. And if I execute the play correctly, I've done my job and I, and I could be happy with that. And trading is the same way where, you know, you go through the process of creating an edge and you have something that has a, st a statistical edge in the market and understanding that it's not going to win every single time. There's going to be losing streaks. That's just natural. However you trade. But if you consistently execute it the way you're supposed to execute it, kind of like a, a casino, you're going to be on the, the good end at the end of the day. Now, that's tough to, to, because why do we all get into trading? Because we want to make money and money is the result. So that's kind of the, the hard thing to do. But it, it takes kind of knowing once you understand that the best way to make your profit is by consistently following the process, it gets a little bit easier. And obviously it, it gets easier with experience. So we try to, we try to shift the mindset on that. Um, another good thing is get away from the charts. Like, don't look at it, 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 especially unless you're in a trade where you need to be actively managing it every, you know, minute or five minutes or so. If you're in like a longer term trade, right, you know, trust. And I think I read this in the book Pitbull, Marty Schwartz. And I think yeah, I forgot who said it, but he got a note from a trader or mentor of his, I guess. And it said, like, 90 percent of the work is done before you ever enter the trade. And that's something that really stuck with me because, you know, Unlike what most people think, most traders aren't kind of just hitting the buy button, sell button every minute. You're typically kind of IDing these trades minutes, hours, even days in advance. So you have plenty of time to look at it and go over your, your routine, your entry. Here's what I'm exiting. Is my risk reward okay? How am I going to manage it? And that's a lot of work. And, and then if you've done all that work and it's checked all the boxes and it's good to go, the last step is just pushing the button. But once you're in the trade, most of the hard work should already be done. So, you know, sometimes once you're in a trade, sometimes the best thing to do is just get away from your computer, man, out of sight, out of mind, do something else and just let the market, you've done your job. 
I mean, it's something you <laughs> staring at your computer. I've tried it. Yelling at your computer does not make price <laughs> go in your direction. I have tried it many times. Trust me, guys. <laughs> there is a trick. I used to do this on the floor. I stood right underneath one of the, the TVs in the pit that uh, had the dome on it and was showing the market moving up and down. And if I needed that market to go higher, I used to get underneath it and I just blow up and I swear it worked once and I stuck by it for the longest time. But that was about the most work I do once the trade was on. You and I, I think, align really similarly on a lot of this stuff. It's that set and forget, get away, have that distraction. That was kind of my recommendation yesterday when I was asked this. I was like, have it just a design distraction, something to pull you away. Because like you said... 90%, even maybe even more of the work is done before you enter that trade. Once you put that trade on, we become, we become biased. We become yeah. affected by what we're doing. And then all of a sudden the dollar signs pop up and we're watching those dollar signs and we want to be a part of that. And we want to, if we start to see it go in the green, instinct just says, just take it. It's 20 bucks. Like, come on, just take that 20 bucks and run away. When no coach said, if the trade, we can call the trading plan the coach. Coach says, this is what you're supposed to do. Execute on that and get away. Forget about it. And like you said, it's process. Focus on the process. The profits will come down the road. That was pretty awesome. So I want to transition here. Current state of markets over the last eight months have been, ooh, I mean, 2020 is going to become an adjective at some point. Oh, it was it was a 2020. <laughs> I kind of feel like we're we're okay saying that at this point. What have been some of the adjustments, some of the things that you've seen over these last eight months? And what are you kind of thinking about going forward? Because I don't see it slowing down for a while. Well, yeah, I like that. that 2020 will definitely become an adjective. That is that is 100% true. <laughs> that, that will, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day where we can kind of laugh at it like that. Um, but two different things from from, a, from over, overall standpoint in the markets, not not forex specifically, but let's say you know just the stock market. I've been telling people this is this is a blessing in disguise, um, and you hate saying stuff like that because you know it's rough out there. there. There's all types of stuff happening on all different levels of everything from politics to the markets and jobs and economy. But as far as an investor goes in, in just the market in general, you're getting everything at a discount or you were able to get everything at a discount. And I remember talking to my sister who's kind of getting, she's kind of getting into investments, but not really. She doesn't really know what to do, but she wants exposure. And I remember her calling me up and she's like, you know, going crazy. And I, oh, I, I saw this on TV and everything's crashing. What do I do? And I'm, I'm like, you buy. You buy, you buy more. I'm like, whatever you're thinking about buying at $50, if it's $25, you buy double. And it's like, and that's the mindset you have to have because things will get better. Absolutely. Things will get better. I had the fortunate experience of, you know, when I started investing, it was, it was again, like 2007. Um, so I, I got in kind of right when, right before the recession. So I had a chance to see everything like at its peak. And then it was a discount and I saw everything cheap and I was able to buy it up at a discount and it rose back up. So from that perspective, I think it's a great buying opportunity for, for everyone in, in general. Forex specifically, it, it's, um, it's interesting because it's a, it's a battle of the worst. And typically what moves the Forex market is you're looking at kind of the, the strengths of, of each global economy you know, and interest rates are a big driver of that, but everything's bad. Everything. So it, everything's bad. So now the question is, well, what's the best of the worst? And typically it's the U S. Um, because, you know, we have the ability to do all types of stuff. We can print money whenever we want. We're, we're the safe haven. 
but we can also agree that, you know, things have been pretty bad here as well. So it's, it's just been, it's been back and forth between that. You got Brexit stuff happening overseas. You've got the prime minister of Japan just resigned. Um, you've got, we've got, we've got an election coming up. It's just, it's very sporadic. It's been kind of what I call stop and go traffic where, you know, you see periods of like consolidation, the markets aren't doing much. And then all of a sudden, you know, a, a COVID release comes out and then boom, everything's, everyone starts panicking and rushing money everywhere and then it stops again until the next hidden release comes out. So it's been, it's been difficult. Um, I think that the one positive is, is typically summers are slow. Um, in the currency market, uh, particularly, and this hasn't been a slow summer. There has been movement, and as a trader, that's what we need. It doesn't. I don't really care which way it moves. I, I don't personally like sporadic emotional movement, but if there is movement, there is opportunity. So there has been movement in the markets this year, which has given us opportunities. Um, it's it's been tougher than usual, I, I would say that, but it, there are definitely opportunities to be had in, in, in the currency market. It's just. It's just a little bit weird. Um, it's a little bit weird. I think that's, yeah, I think that's the common term this year. It's just been a little <laughs> bit weird. You know, I mean, I don't watch the currencies too, too closely, but, you know, watching the dollar is always one of my big factors. What's the, what's the dollar doing and how are things related to that? Obviously, it was about two and a half, three months ago when, when you just kept printing more money, the dollar continued to just get hit lower and lower. <laughs> You're looking at the euros just creeping higher and higher. It's been, I think you're spot on. It's stop and go. It's hiding and waiting. Um, it's it's like stalking. It's just waiting for that moment to pounce, and then it moves really quickly. Um, how have your traders had to adjust to it too? Because, I mean, this has got to be, especially some of the new traders that you're probably working with, this has got to be kind of a shock, right? Yeah. it's um, We have a tale of two tapes. It's been, it's, it's been very good for some of our veteran traders. Um, mainly because, you know, a lot of them have been, you know, either, you know, laid off, furloughed, working from home. It's given them the opportunity to try and, um, to, to focus more on their trading, I guess, where before they have this nine to five and they can, you know, they have their routine. Um, we have a few traders that have started doing these challenges for prop funds or prop firms and they've started winning because now all of a sudden they've got more hours in the day to dedicate specifically to that craft. So it's been, it's been really cool to see that and, and see people take it to the next level and, and start transitioning out of their nine to five and, and really start using that skill of trading to um, help their lifestyle. For the newer traders, um, fortunately, most of them are in still in a learning stage that so are not actively trading money. Um, but we've been looking at the positives. I mean, this is a good example. And we're telling them, hey, if you can trade through times like this, this is going to prepare you for when things get better. Because there we know in, in every market, there are rough years, there are better years. If you can get If you can get through a rough one, you'll be in better shape. Um, we have a, a veteran trader on our, our platform who I think her first week of trading was when like the Brexit announcement was initially put out there in what, what, 2017 or something like that? Um, 2016, 16, June, right? That was her first I, week. <laughs> I was still on the, I was still on the, I was still on the floor in June of 16 when the whole thing happened. There we, go. we had a relative, relatively large position on, and, uh, I think I went about 72 hours without sleeping, trying to manage oh, that position and sheesh. keep yep. ourselves delta neutral. <laughs> I think she came in right during that. And I'm, I, and you know, my first thing was like, what, sorry, your first week. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> and she's like, no, she's like, if I can deal with this, I can deal with anything. So she, her experience, she's like, I, I got the, the crap out the way in the beginning. 
nothing could be more scarier now. So I think a lot of them are seeing that where it's like, hey, let's let's talk about how to navigate these markets. Let's talk about I've talked about about being cautious, like keeping your powder dry, like telling people like, hey, like you don't need to trade when you're in states of financial uncertainty. It's OK to say, hey, I'm I'm not trading the pound until this Brexit stuff is over. I'm not trading the dollar until, you know, Jerome Powell speaks and, and we figure out what he's going to say next. And that's okay. And I think a lot of them are realizing kind of breaking those myths again, like, wait, I don't have to trade every single day or every single hour. I'm like, no, because you may not make money or you won't make money for not involved in a trade, but more importantly, you're not going to lose money. And kind of like your situation, you don't get put in a situation where now you have to kind of go into damage control right away as a newer trader. Because honestly, for a newer trader, that's probably going to be devastating. Oh, I, I can't even imagine how scary that would be. I mean, I think this goes right to your going back to your reality versus perception too is like reality or perception says you're constantly yelling and screaming and buying the bid, selling the, you're constantly going. And when in all reality is no, it's just because you see the market doing this does not mean it's actually creating trade. The market's job is just to move. It's, it's to create this auction process until the auction process gets out of balance. Then you can look for that opportunity to execute on a bigger level. Um, and I think one of the biggest issues we might see, and you can disagree with me on this, but I think a lot of traders right now, especially in these last few months, have gotten really used to the bigger swings, the bigger moves, that bigger PL. And I'm getting where I get concerned is when we do get back to normal, <laughs> things get better that Traders are going to have a really hard time adjusting to those smaller markets, the the smaller swings. And I think that's where myself included, I'm already starting to try and get myself in that mentality because I know it's going to be really hard when my P&Ls go from really big to really small. And that really small means it was still a really good day. I think that's going to be tough. That's a, yeah. I, I, you know what? I didn't, I didn't even... I didn't even, I, I knew it in the back of my head, but I didn't really think about it until you mentioned that. That's 100% true. And, and I remember, you know, we just talked about, I'm, I'm happy for the movements because again, we're getting moves, man. You can get good opportunities. And I, I remember years uh, specific, specifically in Forex. I know 2016 was one. Um, I think even 2018, maybe where there were some really low volatility years and it's hard to make that adjustment. And, and we're trying to tell traders the same thing like you just said, where it's like, hey, no, no, it's a good move. Yeah, but it only made like 20 pips. I'm like, yeah, but that was that was the move. That's what was available. Like the the average range of the market has shrunken. 20 pips is still a tremendous move. Yeah, but in 2009, it was 100 pip every trade. I'm like, yeah, but it's... So I think that's a good learning experience. And that's certainly something I'm going to take back. I need to emphasize that more with the traders I'm working with. So I I appreciate that. I knew it because I've fortunate enough to have traded through different errors and kind of learned the hard way of what to expect. But that's, yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant point for newer traders. Yeah, that's good. That was something that it just came up because, but two years ago, we started to see in the future side crude oil. That was a really popular product, <laughs> especially 07, 08. We were a hundred and some, you know, into 2012, I think probably it was well over a hundred dollars a barrel. We were seeing three, four, five, six, seven dollar moves in a day. I mean, you could get in there and quick make a hundred ticks, and you're like, man, that's a thousand bucks a contract. Hell yeah! And all of a sudden, it slows down, and we're trading at sixty to seventy dollar range, and it's moving eighty cents in a day. And if you catch that sixty cent move, that was an awesome day. But people really had that hard time of managing the risk. Because that's where it gets difficult is you got used to these big profits, things tighten up, 
your risk kind of stays the same, but your profits shrink and all of a sudden you have to make that adjustment. And that's what I'm working with a lot of traders right now is saying that exact same stuff of like, it's great. Relish in this. <laughs> have a blast. Enjoy every second of this. But don't forget, manage that expectation. Tomorrow's not going to be the same as today. And we got to kind of maintain that mentality going forward. That's, yeah, that's, that's gold, man. That, that is gold. <laughs> that is, that is, that is gold. So, you know, I want to transition here. Tell us a little bit about tier one trading, what you guys got going on over there and where people can learn a little bit more about it. So it's a educational platform. We, we started back in 2017. Um, actually all of the, the co-founders, uh, me and my partners, we actually come from another trading educational service where, you know, unfortunately there was a, there were disagreements in management there. Um, new management was brought in and, and it just, it wasn't going in the direction that we liked. Um, so, you know, I said, Hey, I'm done. I'll start our own thing. And, and other, everyone else jumped shipped as well. And what was cool was it gave us a chance to kind of do things in a different way. Um, and, and one of the biggest things that, you know, we liked was the community value. Like I think in success in general in life, you need to be around other successful people, other people with the same mindset to hold you accountable, to help push you in that direction. Unfortunately, that's very hard in trading. Uh, most people go to what trading forums and, uh, you know, those can be pretty, pretty toxic, right? Big Pippin is there bragging all the time or someone's bringing you down because you don't know what this is. Um, so it's tough. So what we want to do is, is bring the same type of educational format where we're, we're walking you through the steps necessary to learn how to trade and working with you as far as you know, developing a specific strategy. But we wanted to bring the community aspect as well. We want to be very particular about who we keep in that community. We want to relay the message like, hey, everyone is here to help. This isn't a competition. Find a newer trader, reach a handout, give them advice. Um, and honestly, I didn't think it was going to work. Um, and, and I just, I know how trading forums, I know how Facebook groups go and just, I, you know, all it takes is one bad apple, but you know, you fast forward, was it three years now? Um, and you know, it, it's, it's been good. So I would say the community aspect is the best thing we offer. It, it's not just training. It's a lot of support, you know, so it's accountability sessions and holding you accountable to what you say you're going to do. It's live trading rooms where you can learn kind of, you know, you're learning stuff through the course, but now you're seeing how it looks in real life. Cause we all know that book work or course work. We're typically picking out moments that are good for educational purposes. When you look at a chart, it's like, wait a minute, I can't even see that. Um, so we focus a lot just on the supportive elements of, of kind of just the other stuff around just learning how to trade the things that we think are going to, going to help people really succeed. That's awesome. Where can uh, our listeners find a little bit more about this, learn more about you, anything like that? Oh, uh, you can just go to www.tier1trading.com. Uh, you can find me all over the internet. There are a lot of fake me's, unfortunately, <laughs> but at Akil Stokes RTM, um, don't be afraid to reach out. I, I respond to everyone. I can tell you this just in regarding the fake me's. If anyone tries to sell you something or they mention, hey, WhatsApp or anything like that, it is not me. I will not DM <laughs> you first or anything, reach out to you first, nothing like that. Um, but I, I try to share a lot on social media. I, I try to be humorous. Um, I think you should have fun in life. It's not just trading. It's about my kids, the journey, um, positivity. Just um, I think I'm a good foul. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> I think that about myself too. But then I look at it and go, well, maybe not. <laughs> That's what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, they can, they can follow me all over social media. I'm, I'm, I'm there, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all, all the normal places. Awesome. Well, Kill, I cannot thank you enough for joining us here today. Really enjoyed our conversation. I will just say this before you walk away, everyone listening. 
focus on that reality versus perception. I really think that was kind of the biggest point made here. I really appreciate you bringing that up, and I really appreciate you stopping by with us. Sorry, Jack, uh, we lost him in the first minute, but uh, Jack and I will be back um, after this. So, again, thank you very much for joining us, Akil. Well, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to Limit Up today. If you get a chance, be sure to uh, rate us and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you consume it. Spotify. Uh, there's probably some startups with names. Yeah, I always make up a few right now. Uh, Marker, uh, uh, Face Mask. Uh, I'm just listing things in the conference room I'm in right now. Uh portable group telephone. Um, those are all places you can uh, listen to the podcast. It really helps us. And be sure to email us if you have anything you would like to see going forward. Dan, you look like you're about to say something. <laughs> Your last job's coming out with that one. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes... You, you, can, know, you can listen to us on face mask and marker. Um, portable telephone is on there. We're on portable telephone as well. I can just see that being a headline at the Onion. Yeah, <laughs> it's big in Serbia, Dad. What plays podcast, in Serbia? <laughs> podcast company Face Max comes out and gets the Joe Rogan contract. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> um, in the meantime, as we say every week, it's uh, Thursday afternoon right now. So stay safe tomorrow. Trade in the unemployment if you choose to. Or be like Dan on his birthday day and just uh, chill out for a while. Exactly. All right. Well, we're almost at the end of 2020, which is fantastic. And um, until next week, namaste and trade well. The Limit Up Podcast is produced by Dante32. Futures and Forex trading contain substantial risk and is not for every investor. An investor could potentially lose all or more than their initial investment. Risk capital is money that can be lost without jeopardizing one's financial security or lifestyle. Only risk capital should be used for trading, and only those with sufficient risk capital should consider trading. Past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results.